Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review posted by Zeke Changuris. One, welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review podcast, the podcast dedicated to bringing our listeners, the independent creators and writers and artists that are part of this renaissance of creativity, giving us stories to entertain and inspire us. Uh, today, we'd like to welcome Kevin, a.k.a. Ink Bamboo, the author of Rebirth of the Undead King. Hey, Zeke. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for joining me. Um, let's see. The description of your story is a young boy. Uh, a young village boy finds the remains of a fallen god. He receives the opportunity to enact revenge against the monarchy of his kingdom. Tyrants, nobles, and criminals come after him. Uh, he's forced to confront society's dark side and his own, and he struggles with inner demons, and he must make uh, very difficult choices. So how that's how it's written up on Amazon. How would you kind of describe uh, this, uh, your, your story? Oh, that's a fair question. Cause you know, <laughs> a lot of people hype their stories up in the, in the description, cause <laughs> there's gotta be some keywords over there. Yeah. Uh, what I would normally say about it to people is it is pretty much two stories or one story from two perspectives, uh, whether we have, uh, two characters, one of them is Amro, who is the death God that is spoken of in that description. Uh, and, and the story from his perspective is a story about duty above all, about noblesse oblige, like the, like the obligations he has as a de deity to just conform to all these expectations the world has against him. And then there's the story from the perspective of Ceres, who is the boy described in the book's description, which is a story more, much more from the side of the loss of innocence, so to speak. Okay, so... It, it, it seems to be a kind of a dark fantasy uh, setting. Um, I'm imagining you're, we're talking about uh, knights and lords. Are we set it in more of a medieval setting? Yes, that's the case. Okay. Um, I see uh, there's a little uh, hints of overlord in here. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, what's, what's your homage to overlord? Um. Okay, first of all, this is a comparison I originally didn't do myself. It, it was only until several readers started doing it for me that, that I opted to adopt it. Um, it. It's mostly in the sense that if you've ever read the novels for Overlord, they're written not from the perspective of the protagonist, but rather the stories of the peoples whose life are affected by the protagonist. So okay. in, in that sense, Rebirth of the Undead King is not only written from the perspective of Amro and Saros, the two protagonists, but rather it is written from the perspectives of all the commoners, the nobles, the lords, the criminals who get involved into their story and therefore get affected by them. Okay, so, and, and this world that he's, he's uh, trying to, I guess, make more just or trying to seek revenge against, it sounds a little bit like the that dark kind of world that's in um, uh, Akamega Kill, if you've ever seen that. Yeah. One. Yeah, it, where like society is corrupt and um, it's a matter of going and trying to find a way to right that society. So, you know, power I mean, <laughs> isn't absolute. To, to be fair though, um, 
uh, th this might be a pessimistic opinion from myself. Go ahead. But 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 I do think society is corrupt overall. Okay. Uh, Rebirth of the of the King just goes about it rather than just as a complaint against society. It is more of a loss of innocence where someone who is in the know about that corruption presents all the details and inner workings about it to someone who has no idea about them. Okay. All right. So now where did this, uh, what, where did this idea come from? Uh, is it, is, is it something you saw? Was it something that was kicking around in your head? Um, what, what brought upon, what brought about this idea? Oh, probably uh, a previous work of mine I was working on. Because originally when I started writing, I did so as a web novel, not a fully published book. And I was writing a story named uh, The Area of Tao, which was uh, a story about a priest facing all the corruption from humanity. Um, and so the, the very idea of just someone with innocence, with without knowledge of this corruption, of this dark side of society, going against it, learning about it, and trying to fight it from within, was what kind of inspired to do this other story, which apparently was much more successful than the previous one. Well, hey, it's interesting where ideas uh, eventually come from. Um, the number of stories I've started and scrapped over time uh, are countless, and eventually a good idea comes out of something. So are you the kind of writer that was always a storyteller? Or did you, uh, did you kind of come into the idea that you have something to put down on paper later? Uh, I probably grew into the idea. I don't think I ever was someone who went too much into writing. Reading, yes, because I've always loved books ever since I was a child. But uh, writing was something quite new for me. I only started doing so um, around 2018 or so. Um, I mean, before that, I, I wrote for a magazine and other, other similar mediums, but uh, writing us in stories was something quite new for me. I mean, it still is. I, I only have two books outside, uh, probably the third coming hey, this, later this month. That is two more books than a lot of people <laughs> that, that, that want to be writers. So uh, that in itself is an accomplishment. And the fact that you started Thank in you. 2018 <laughs> and you've managed to put two complete stories on paper uh, so to speak, is is impressive. The, think of all the people who start the I'm going to write a novel in a month campaign and like fizzle out <laughs> after four days. But, but you know what they say, right? You have all your life to write your first book. You only have six months to write the second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I get from my readers most of the time. So, Or you could be like J.R.R. Martin and just take you know, a decade oh, yeah. to finish punish the them. next one. <laughs> yeah, punish your readers as, as often as possible. So did what kinds of stories were the first stories you, you tried tackling? Uh, I mean, for, for lack of a better way to say it, it's probably always been inside the genre of fantasy. Okay. Perhaps dark fantasy to be a bit more specific. Um, I mean, it's only these two stories I've written, the, the, the Rebirth of the Undead King series and the one before it, the Area of Tau. But aside from those, uh, um, I'm not familiar with much other ways of writing. Well, well what, what attracts you to this particular genre? Uh, 
if I had to say it somehow, um, it would probably be the realism about it. Because, you know, often, more often than not, when you read fantasy, it's kind of a power fantasy. It's everything being perhaps challenging, but also ideal for the protagonist. Where, whether in uh, dark fantasy, I think there's a bit more of realism in the sense that they not only have to face um, adversity, but that it is also a possibility that they die, they lose, that they end up in the bad side of things. Okay, All right. that's, a, that's a very, I guess, a very apt way of describing um, uh, darker fantasy. I, it, it seems weird to use the term realism, but I, I understand which, where you're where you're going there. Um, that yeah, <laughs> it, there's not always the case where the hero always wins, or the hero has just enough power to overcome his obstacles. Or the power of friendship comes into oh. yeah. <laughs> hey, just let's not diss My Little Pony because you know the power of friendship was very influential in my early childhood. So, <laughs> okay, that verse that though it, if you ever watch the 1980s um midnight uh my little pony uh like terror at midnight castle or something i think that was the title of it that episode that that like little movie movie kind of thing that was dark dude it was a little <laughs> okay. dark I've, or, I've never had the chance to see it you, you might be able to find it online it's a little dark and um it's for for 1980s talk it was a little scary it was not even close to what we think about with my little pony today so yeah that again that's how old i am um so <laughs> uh what what about what is your you think your strongest suit is um in writing are you a uh, a creator of worlds are you creator of characters uh is your strong suit you think your dialogue or is it in like description of things like your action Oh, uh, I would, I mean, going about not what I think, because I, I probably am too insecure to <laughs> think I'm good at any of those. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say pacing, just because that's something several reviewers, for some reason, have liked about my books. Um, yeah, hey, that's 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 not something to be underrated on because pacing is important. The number of books, even by what I'd say, like known writers, uh, I think the last couple volumes of Shield Hero, the pacing has just been too slow for me. I am dragging myself through these volumes of uh, the Shield Hero because they're just he just gets bogged down in too many uh, details. Side quests, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't need to know all about the leveling. I don't need to know, you know, what stat connects with what stat to create what's what thing. Just let's progress the story a little faster. So pacing, yeah. can't you cannot um, discount pacing as something that's uh, really really helpful. Yeah, um, I'm I'm one to think uh, readers are often underrated by writers. Because, you, you know, some people feel the need to over-explain too much just about every detail on their world. I, I think readers usually have the capacity to deduct most of those details if they're giving enough clues beforehand. So, I mean, that, that, that's the way I see it, at least. Okay. Well, I mean, think that's a, that's, that's, that could be a, a, a very valid assessment. Um, do you, one of my favorite questions 
do you ever find yourself writing yourself into a corner? Like, Ooh. that that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite questions because everyone has a very interesting um, uh, story about writing into a corner. Yes, I mean, the, the, the very straightforward answer is a yes. Uh, <laughs> I really don't think any writer out there can probably say a no against that question. Perhaps the very talented few uh, who write 20K words a day or something. But yes, I often fall into places where I realize I might have written myself into a situation that just doesn't flow naturally or where characters are just not being themselves, where, where I'm forcing them to act as someone else. Um, uh, perhaps it's because I, I'm early into the whole writing business, but th th there's a lot of insecurity, which leads me to question a lot of what I write. And because of that, I keep going in circles a lot of the time where, I mean, if you could see my Google Drive folder, for example, you would see for this third book that I'm about to publish in this month, um, I have about 80 something deleted chapters, whereas the book is about 28 chapters long. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a lot of editing there. And yeah, well, well, well moving into the editing, um, do you have a good trusted editor, like a, a good a good person that you throw your pages at and say, well, you read this and then they can uh, give it a good critical look or are you leaving yourself to like, parse through all this uh, one man uh, band style. Yes, uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't be where I am if not for my editors. Um, and I'm going to use plural for this because okay. th th there's several people I work with. Um, most of them I met during the old days of uh, web novels before this uh, big company called uh, Chidian entered into the scene. Okay. Uh, we were all into just writing groups online. And a lot of them, I mean, became close friends in a, way, a digital way, so to speak. Yes. Uh, and, and so across, along my, all, my whole writing journey, uh, I've been next to them and they've been giving me feedback. They've been reviewing my work. Some of them I've worked with more formally as in, you know, paying them in order mm. to review my book in full detail. And yes, I, I rely on editor, editors a lot. I couldn't do half of the quality I, I give into my books if not for them. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's it, an editor, it, about a good editor, someone who can give you an honest but fair opinion of things and not just nitpick uh, is a very valuable resource. And I think <laughs> to any writer, yes, uh, that is, uh, that, that's more priceless than gold sometimes because you've got to have that good relationship with someone who's going to look at it and they're not going to be like, well, this sucks, redo it. They're going to be like, well, this doesn't make sense here. Maybe, I mean, you, it's, maybe it's not that meant, far off. <laughs> and maybe you meant to say this. I mean, my wife is my main editor. She will, oh, okay. be, <laughs> she will always be my main editor, but she also has learned to understand my language. Mm -hmm. She's like, you you're trying to say this, but that's not what you're saying at all. <laughs> and so she'll, she, she's been very good at, uh, yeah, at yeah. editing my works because she's grown to understand how I think and to have someone you work with that can really help that way is, is really, really, really priceless. 
Um, I mean, there's, there's got to be honesty with someone you're working with as an editor, because yeah. if they really can't tell you about your own mistakes, then they're not able to do their job. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, sometimes, you know, as long as they understand the, the creative ideas that, you know, this is your story and they're just there to give feedback and be, and, but if you want to go a certain way, it's your your choice to go a certain way with it and uh, as long as they get that that you know an editor really really helps uh, when I do edit work I do my best to let the writer speak for themselves and I will do my best to help them with their mechanics I will do my best to help them rephrase things because I have a couple people who work for me where English mm -hmm. is their second language and so they don't always put these sentences together <laughs> the way they need to be put together. Yeah, um, that, that <laughs> I'm guilty some, of that myself. That happens sometimes. And so I'm like, I think you really meant to say this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I really, it, it really, there's a lot of trust there between editors and writers and having been on both ends, that's, that really is something. Um, what's, what's your favorite kind of scene to write? Where, I mean, you've got mm -hmm. a fantasy story. So, you know, is, is, is it, is it the chase? Is it the, you know, the, the adventure is what's the favorite type of scene? Uh, <laughs> uh, if I had to go for one, it would be, it would probably be monologues. Okay. I, I mean, it, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten that answer, but uh, I, I think just writing a monologue allows you to challenge yourself in your own understanding of your characters. It just gives you this opportunity to present like an ideological debate against yourself where you show what you know about your characters and whether, whether you're able to prove you understand their motiv motivations, what, just what drives them. That may be the best argument I've ever heard from monologues ever. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that is a great way of approaching that. I mean, I always just say, well, Shakespeare wrote an awful lot of monologues. They called them <laughs> soliloquies because they were done on stage, but that's what it is. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, I think that's probably the best answer to uh, why to write a mon write any scene uh, monologue. Um, how about uh, authors? Um, you know, do you have you ever are you ever trying to mimic a certain style, or is it? Is there an author that has influenced the way you uh, shape what you're writing or approach your your plots? Yes, uh, most definitely. I, I don't know if I can recall the name of all of them. I can recall the titles they wrote. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the, the first one would be probably Terry Goodkind, uh, the, the author of a Wizard's First Rule, the Sword of Truth series. I just believe, or it is my impression, he's like, one of these authors who opened the way for fantasy writers, just as a more mainstream kind of story. Um, so his stories overall was something that gave me passion for reading. So there's that. Um, there's also the Faraway Paladin series, which is a Japanese a translated into English, originally Japanese work. Uh, I mean, it's written in as a light novel, but it is quite more complex than your average light novel. I would say that was probably the book that encouraged me to write. Um, I mean, it, it had a perspective about deities that I hadn't uh, met before in another book. And that's why I originally started with the story from a priest's perspective. Uh, and then there's also 
probably Dungeon Defense, which is a Korean light novel translated into English, that it, it gave me inspiration into the more darker side of fantasy because it went a, a whole lot into the political issues facing the protagonists and their world, the corruption of their system and the need, or, or so to speak, the need for evil they actually had in their world. Okay, well, all right, you, you seem to have mentioned you know, a couple things a couple times. You, you, you've talked uh, about politics and you've talked about basically good versus evil. Is there a certain theme that that you like to latch on to or you think that this genre is a great place to um, stories are great allegories for things mm -hmm. and so are, are you trying to create an allegory or is that just something that fits uh, that that those subject matters seem to just flow into <laughs> I mean, I feel politics is inescapable for anybody. They're just so intrinsical to everything we do on the, our daily lives that you can't actually separate from them, even more so on a writing media where you're creating a world of sorts. Uh, I know I've been accused sometimes of, of, of being perhaps too political in my story. I remember one Amazon review called me a communist for <laughs> writing a scene where the where the people stood up to the nobles. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Tell that to, um, uh, tell that to the uh, Victor Hugo. Uh, I think Les Miserables was uh, very much about that. Um, so, but, but, but I don't think I do so un, uh, intentionally. It's more of a thing that just flows in naturally. And perhaps uh, the topic I like to bring into all of this is apathy which I think flows really well in grim dark and dark fantasy stories, because truth is a lot of people feel apathetic to all these political issues or all these, I mean, issues in general. People just like to live their lives and they like to enjoy the masses and they don't want to be overcomplicated by all these topics. And so apathy as a whole concern as a topic itself it flows pretty naturally in this generous and that's something i like about them uh, the the idea that you know you just turn there's a segment of society that just likes to uh turn to turn a blind eye so to speak to uh anything unpleasant and i mean you, you can't actually blame them because you know living against the flow is it's it's negative it has negative implications for you yeah so uh, what, um, it's, uh, what, uh, what would you say is uh, the, I guess, your greatest writer's high comes from? What, what accomplishment when you're writing are you like, yeah, that was the best part? Is it the finished product or, or does it happen more on a scene by scene basis? Oh, um where you're like, oh yeah, that was perfect. I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely that as a small victory. Uh, <laughs> can't forget about them. Wouldn't be able to finish the book without those. 
uh, but, but probably having the finished product, just being able to, you, you know, finish that Kindle file and be able to upload it to Amazon server. That's something that brings so much satisfaction where you say, you know, I can finally take a few weeks off of writing and perhaps give a finished product to my readers who will be done with it by the next week and asks for more. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way it is. Hey, uh, you, it, it, we used to call it in the news business, feeding the beast. You just have to yeah. keep <laughs> keep keep putting stuff in because they just want more and uh you're fortunate if they do want more uh and no one's yeah, saying it most uh, definitely yeah so um let's see uh so a couple more questions here for you so what do you think on a uh, I'm trying to think of a better way to put it do you think that the the anim the genres that are currently out there when it comes to um everything seems to have a, a little darker tint to it nowadays um even the magical girl genre in uh <laughs> in anime all seem to want to go a little bit dark um do you think that's a, like a reaction to things or is it just you know that's what people are watching at the one at the moment and that um, you know it, it's not, like a secular a certain no, not really, though. No? Uh, I would think that's actually uh, an issue about the maturity of the medium. Because, okay. you know, TV is relatively new, all things considered. It's just a couple decades. Yeah. Uh, the, probably just widespread books easily accessible to the public are as well. Because, you know, th there was a point in time where books were not that as easily accessible to everybody. Yes. Um, and and with that, with more people coming in and reading the books, there, there's a chance to have a more mature discussion about topics which might interest the readers. And so I believe this um, darker approach, more writers, more authors, more creators are taking, is just an expression of that freedom we're gaining as a society uh, to express darker approaches to topics or just conversations we weren't able to have before and people being able to take part in them from a more mature standpoint. Hey, some of your answers are, uh, well, I can tell you've got uh, got uh, some of that uh, psych, uh, psych education in your background because some of your <laughs> answers are really well thought out here. Because, um, uh, and it, I guess we can tie that in. Thank the you, last, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the last question. Does, do you think, um, I mean, I guess all arm are uh, all writers in a way are armchair psychologists because they've got to they've got to <laughs> understand the the emotional well-being yeah. and the motivations behind all their characters. Uh, do you think uh, some of your training kind of helps you out? Uh, gives you an edge there? Probably. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's almost impossible for me to answer that question since I already received the training. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I will definitely say sometimes when I'm writing, I do remember some stuff said by my teachers at some points in time, and I will try to implement that. Uh, but I, I think more than my training as a psychologist, it's, it's more of me as a person, uh, as a whole. It, it's just, you know, I, I think every time a writer writes something, there's a part of them that goes into the story. And I mean, being a psychologist is inescapably a, a part of me in that sense. 
that's a that's a a great that's an, a a very astute and amazing way to put it. Thank you very much. And uh, is there is there anything else you'd 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 like uh, listeners to know? Um, you've got another. You got the. Is this going to be a third and final part that's coming out, oh. or is it just continuing? Oh uh, no, it's a continuation. Uh, I have my third book just tentatively scheduled for the 28th or just around those days. Uh, there might be some editor delays before the publishing date is actually fixed, but I know within the next month it should be out. All right, that sounds great. And uh, we can't sit, wait to see that pop up on the Amazon list. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and if, uh, I, I know you're, you're a lot like me and you think that it's amazing right now because the barriers to entry into the market um, are are much lower than they used to be because Thank independent God, authors really yeah. can be independent authors and uh, truly make a go of it and get their stories out there. Um, we can follow you on, at Ink Bamboo and find copies of your book on your books on, on Amazon. Amazon. Yes. Yes. And so um, if you would like what you heard today and would like to us to continue to share these conversations with our artists, authors, creators, and industry pros, uh, please click the subscribe button. And until next time, keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast.